Great Jeannie Butler far away, I have some requests for you if you could please come close. Please help me to reach my goal and uh, for all our vacation plans to come and line up. Oh, it would be really great if my kids could listen better too. And uh, please be with my team as they try to win the World Cup. Great Jeannie Butler, thank you for, so much for all the abundance I have in my life. Thanks for giving me the ability to work hard to bring about my desires. I confess that I've not always been as loving as I could be, but sorry. Sorry I keep going back to that bad habit. Help me to feel less guilty when I do. Thanks, great Jeannie Butler. I'm so thankful that you desire my comfort and safety as much as I do. The second reading is also from Matthew 5, verse 9 to 13. <clears throat> then this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I don't think that's in the Bible. Was that really there? Both, both of these prayers are really familiar to me, at least. One of them is uh, pretty in line with how I often pray and communicate, and the other one is the prayer that Jesus taught us, specifically the one that's written in the Gospel of Matthew. Um, and my name is Graham. I, uh, for those of you I don't know or haven't got a chance to connect with, I'm the youth pastor here and recently have started in full-time uh, looking at spiritual formation in our church as well. Um, somebody came up to me this morning and said, how are you doing with the hot weather? And a couple weeks ago I was up here and I made a comment about wishing it was still sweater weather. And some of you have come to me and patted me on the back and said that you agreed, and others of you have made fun of me. So I just want to make it abundantly clear. I uh, live in a community house, and one of our housemates is from Colombia. And when your Colombian housemate comes home complaining about how hot it is outside, this is not just a chubby white guy problem, all right? It is a hot day, and you all need to accept that, that this weather is not good. <laughs> There's something wrong with it. So this morning, we're uh, going to reflect on the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray in the Gospel of Matthew. And I want us to pay special attention this morning to the order at which he lays out this prayer and the implications of what we're saying when we use these words. Our prayers shape how we know and engage with God and our calling as Christians. So it's important to pause, I think, and consider how and what we're praying and if it is a productive effort. If we learn to pray this Lord's Prayer, the prayer that Jesus taught us seriously, it may bring about the greatest life we could possibly have. Not easiest, but greatest. And our second big point, other than order and significance, will come a bit later, so stay tuned. I love this prayer. Uh, Rachel and I used the Lord's Prayer as the um, scripture passage that guided our wedding ceremony. Uh, this, to me, is just a really formative, uh, shaping prayer that we wanted to use as kind of a model and a mission for our marriage going forward. And I think it calls us to a place that we're not at yet. But as we scratch the surface this morning of this rich, rich prayer, um, I hope we begin to see a lifetime of formation that is waiting to happen in our lives if we choose to step into it. So let's begin. It starts with our Father who is in heaven. And this is slightly cheesy to be talking about on Father's Day. But this family language to speak of God is important. And at the time when Jesus was saying it, it was offensive. There's an intimacy to talking about God in this way that I think we often forget too, that God is not a genie butler far away that we draw close, that there is a personal sense that God is close to us when we need. 
It's both comforting and it produces a lot of accountability. There's involvement. If this is a family that we're in with God, those of you in a family know that a family is not a hotel. There's some expectations on everyone involved in the family to participate and be part of what's going on to create a healthy intimacy that's there. And as it's kind of already been acknowledged this morning, I recognize that this fatherly language can often um, be tough for us to grapple with, depending on where we're at. I was made aware of this a couple of years ago. Uh, I, uh, I used to do a lot of work at, at youth camps and, and summer camps, and so one year the speaker asked, um, exploring this theme a little bit, asked me and my siblings to get up and talk about our relationship with our dad. And I have a great relationship with my dad. I can remember him teaching me to bike down Steffla Road in Guelph and long car rides, having lots of questions about girls, and uh, continued to do work projects together today. And so I was able to share this great earthly relationship I have with an earthly father. And then right after we got up and talked about a healthy relationship that we have, uh, a good friend of mine who I've been kind of walking through life with for 17 years got up. Uh, and I didn't ask him if I could so say the story, so I'll tell him after, but my friend Brendan, um, he got up, <laughs> uh, and he, he just told the whole camp about how his, uh, his father left when his mom was pregnant. Uh, he's, he's from my age, he's 25, and, uh, and how he cannot reflect on this in a very healthy way that he has had to grow up um, without knowing his dad, as, and, and this man was someone who just didn't want to get to know him. Uh, and so there's some baggage for him in this. And so I recognize that this is something that not all of us can say this morning, and that this tough language is hard to pray out if we don't mean it when we say it today. The other thing in this line that I think is important that will come up throughout the prayer that I, th I think we sometimes forget is that it's a plural language, our Father. There's community and plurality here, right? My relationship with God is in some way tied up with your relationship with God. God is three in one, this relational divine dance, and we're invited into this banquet or soup kitchen, depending on how we look at it, that the Trinity is putting on. This is our God. We're invited to the same meal, no matter what neighborhood we live in, our station in life, or who we voted for in the provincial election. We all have to come to the same table here, and I think that's something we need to be reminded of. Sometimes we come to dinner for the sake of our parents and hope that we don't have to deal with that other person at the table and be reconciled to them. And so maybe it's hard to say this line this morning too. Maybe we shouldn't pray this if we can't say it honestly. The prayer continues with hallowed or holy be your name. And hallowed is a weird word that I never use in my ordinary context. I know it in two contexts, one of Halloween and the other, uh, the finale of J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter series with the deathly hallows. Um, holy is another word that we say a lot in church that we don't use in a lot of other places. And, and looking at this word, it's this idea that um, it is a greatly revered or respected thing. Uh, and this, this word is also tied up in this idea of sanctification. In the Old Testament, there's these laws that dictate, are you, are you in a place of good standing with God? Is there a sanctified space that you've carved out, a void of blemish? And so it draws this up for the people that Jesus is communicating with. And so I do want us to pause and reflect on how we can dirty the name of God and make it potentially unclean in the way we use it, the ways we disrespect it. There's the obvious profanity. I think Jesus Christ has the sole um, honor of being the only person that we've ever turned into a swear word. Uh, and, and there's that kind of way of, of certainly profaning the name of God in, in unright ways. But I think there's other ways we do that too. I think there's indeed, right? If we're extending this parental image of a father, I can um, disrespect God and the way I treat God's other kids. 
Um, th that's a reflection of how I view the father and maybe how I'm in relationship with the father if I'm disrespecting my father's other kids. And what about the things that that parent has created? What about the, the work of its hands? We read in Genesis that God declared the whole world good after every single day, and then we came along and it was still good. And we're living through a time where we're finding more and more extinction happening all around us in the pursuit of whatever this is that we're all kind of tied up in. And I do wonder how God looks down on us and our use of his name and the way we are treating the things that he has made. I don't know if I can honestly say that I've hallowed God's name today. Maybe I should stop praying this altogether. The next line is, your kingdom come and your will be done. And I have a story to get us thinking about this. A couple weeks ago, I was garage sailing with some friends. And I don't know about you, but I love a good garage sale. And I came across one of these. And I have it here today. This is a mirror that has an awesome orange bike tire around it. And they sold it to me for only $2. What a steal, $2. And the reason it's here and not on my wall, that's not my wall, it would never make it up there, is because uh, I live with a wife. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking it was $2. Mirrors are helpful and we like bikes. We've got some other bike themed decor in the house. And Rachel thought, she was away for the weekend, and so we talked about it after, and she thought, it's a, it's a tire, and it's orange, and there's no other orange in our living space whatsoever. And so there was this sense that we had this little minor discussion, and it was thoroughly in the basement for a while, and now it's here. I'll be selling it after church for only $10 if you want a great bike mirror. We were both in a position where we realized we were trying to build different kingdoms. And we're building different kingdoms all the time. I'll leave this here. $10. What a steal. We have different ideas about what will make a home enjoyable. And in some ways, by submitting to one another and being in covenant with one another, we have to meet each other halfway. Which in this case means that I guess my interior design skills are, are lacking. And I'll, I'll concede that one. This one. With God, it's a little bit different, right? It's getting in line with his kingdom. Your kingdom come and your will be done. There's a sense of ownership and submission to God in our lives. We're invited into the process of building, but building God's kingdom and the world that he has designed that we know and can trust to be extremely good. This is very different than a genie butler. We are to submit and grow in his ways and trust that this burden will be light and it will bring life and life to the fullest. Last week we heard from a few of our community members who in different ways are stretching themselves to grow God's kingdom and do God's will in their corner of the world. And this will be one of our discussion questions that we can talk about with each other this, um, this morning later on. I think we're sometimes tempted in our culture to think that we are building our own kingdom, but I would push back against that and say that we're just building different kingdoms. I think that this idea that I follow no one and I'm my own man really just means, well, you're kind of just succumbing to whatever the strongest flow is that's going on um, in culture and the groups that you surround yourself with at the time. And I, I think we can sometimes lay awake wondering, how did I get here and all these things and decisions I'm doing, are this really it? Is this the good life that I've been promised? Is this what's happening? Um, and I think by, in this prayer, resubmitting to God's kingdom, we get to reorient ourselves to a life that holds some of those answers. 
this is hard because my will or the will of certain other assumptions about life or ideologies have their appeal to me. I don't know if I can pray this prayer today. Maybe I shouldn't pray it. Is it worth continuing on if, if this is where we are? And these are all the things we can't say this morning? The answer is yes. Because in the next line, we're able to partially resolve the tension we should all feel that this prayer is a tall order. I can't say it authentically right now, but in this next line, we get a taste of how we can. On earth as it is in heaven, may it be here as it is in the space of perfection. And this is a tension we see through the old the whole New Testament and some of these writings as they're trying to work this out. Jesus Christ is resurrected, but full resurrection has not happened yet. On earth, as it is in heaven, trying to get here to this resurrection and restoration of all that is yet to come. And this is the second big important point this morning that I want us to take home. We need to sit in this tension. I can't say this prayer fully yet, but I can try. And I can say it over and over again, and I can continue to say this prayer with the hope that on my last days, I will have learned to say it a whole lot better, with a lot more conviction and meaning and trust. Day by day, we can use prayers like these to form and shape us on earth as it is in heaven. So, my first big important point was the order. Let's just take stock of where we are in the prayer for a second. Up until now, in the Lord's Prayer, it is not about the stuff I get. The prayer starts with a reverence of God, reminding us that he is holy and submitting our will to his. We're getting on board for God's kingdom project before we jump into a list of hopes. And I don't think there's anything wrong with requests from God. I don't want us to leave thinking that. Jesus taught us to put the reverence first in the greater context of who God is and who we are to God and an orientation to God's will and work in the world. And I think it's pretty natural. I've been, I've been doing some basement renos recently, and I've had uh, the realization that there's a lot of work involved, more than I originally thought, and I've had a bunch of friends come over and help me. And when people are coming over to help me build this thing that I'm working on, I'm going to buy them lunch, or I'm going to buy them drinks, or I'm going to give them a bike mirror. And uh, there's a sense that this second part of the prayer comes out of that, right? God, I'm, I'm working on your kingdom, so it would just be really great if you could... And then our next line is, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Jesus calls himself the bread of life. This is not wonder bread either. I think we have a, a bad picture of bread sometimes. Bread is a simple common sustenance for the day, not too extravagant. So in one sense, there's a physical sense of being content with the things we have, and this other sense that Jesus promises to fulfill us. I recognize that this is also a tarnished image for some of you who have been labeled and found yourself to be gluten-free. But I believe that on earth as it is in heaven, someday we will all be able to enjoy good bread again together. But I will not join you in your suffering. There are limits. Give us this day our daily bread. This is this plural language again. Noticing the needs of all God's children. We're asking for everyone to have bread. And God the parent may point out to his children that there is enough dinner on the table if we could just pass it around and finally learn to share and some of us just take what we need. Give us this day our daily bread. Uh, as I said earlier, Rachel and I live in, in a community house and so there's five of us right now and 
we have a very small fridge, and we're kind of just hoping and praying for the day it dies so we can go buy a bigger one. And if we've been to your house, your fridge is probably better than us, and I 100% confess to you that we've coveted the giant space you have to keep food in. In this prayer, there's the sense of relying on God daily and not storing up, and we can see that in different ways. We're reminded of manna in the wilderness where they were instructed to daily receive the manna, and if they tried to save it for more than one day, it would go bad. There's a daily reliance and trust that we need to cultivate in God's provisions. The prayer continues. Forgive us of our sins. Forgive us our debts. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive the debts, sins, trespasses of others. And this is troubling because this is the part that Jesus elaborates on right afterwards. And he clarifies in case people like me want to take it wrong and say, well, it's a little bit different. He says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Our relationship to God is largely played out in a relationship to other people. Whatever you do for the least of these. Bullying, hoarding, teasing, all take place out of insecurity and a scarcity model that holds us back from sharing and loving well. To fully know how forgiven we are will lead to an abundance of forgiveness to others. There's nothing to hide and hold on to for ourselves. It is abundant. And they're plural language again. I think there are things we collectively need to seek forgiveness for and be forgiven for. I can't pray this prayer today, and you may not be able to either, but may we continue to pray this in the hopes that it will be on earth as it is in heaven. And so we reach the last line, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Temptation in the Gospels happens for Jesus. He is led into temptation by the Spirit, and the temptation is for his power and might to offer a quick fix to the work he has at hand. Power and submission of others rather than God's long game strategy for restoration and resurrection. Before he dies, Jesus is tempted again. And he repeats that the Father's will would be done, not his own. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And we see Jesus model that very well. I think there are certainly lots of temptations of, of vices and, and things like that. I mean, gluttony, there's a, a plethora of bad options on the internet um, or garage sale deals that may cause small tension in our marriage partnerships. These are certainly temptations that we face. But there's also the temptation of our will to be done quickly rather than continually submitting to this prayer. And evil, whether it's within us, in others, or in this plural our language and some of the great evil forces of this world and the unseen places that we help create or perpetuate. We pray for deliverance. Perhaps this is the easiest part of this prayer to fully mean, even if it means confronting demons. We can pray with the certainty that Christ fully submitted to this prayer and has ultimately encountered and dealt with evil. And now we live in this tension of striving for earth to be as it is in heaven. This is a quite a submissive prayer, as I've said. As we unpack this, I think we all must pause and realize that we cannot fully mean this prayer when we speak it around our dinner tables, in church, or on our drives and walks to school or work. But it is forming us, slowly, if we meditate on the implications of our lives and world following this prayer. And that is a good thing to continue to strive for together. So let's continue to pray this together, even if we don't quite mean all of it today. And so 
we're going to do something this morning that uh, we don't usually do on a Sunday that is going to make some of us feel like there's a great breath of fresh air and this is exciting, and some of us find really uncomfortable, and I really ask you to come back again next week. Um, <laughs> and that is that we are going uh, to take the time to meditate on this prayer with some silence. Um, Ainsley's going to play some light guitar in the background. Uh, this is not my attempt at emotional manipulation, but just recognizing that for some of us it's nice in quiet to practice and have something else to focus on. And so what I'm going to invite you to do is to get comfortable. We have a great space that actually has um, altar um, kind of kneeling benches in front of us that we don't get to use en enough. And if you'd like to use one of these kneeling benches, I welcome you to. It's a posture that we don't often put ourselves in during the week. If you have room on your bench, you are welcome to lay down uh, or grab a seat. And what we're going to do is we're going to, I'm going to read out one of these lines. And we're just going to have a few seconds of pause. And I want you to think about this and try to put it in your own words or recognize what is in the way for you of saying this right now and where you need God's grace and help in your journey to fully submit to this prayer. Um, so we're going to take um, a couple minutes to do this, and then at the end, I think we'll all stand and say the Lord's Prayer together, and then we'll head on our way to, dis to discussion. So get comfortable, and I'll kind of give us some cues as we go. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us our debts 
as we forgive our debtors. not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thanks for experimenting with me. We have discussion tables uh, to dive into this theme a little bit more. If you would like to pray, we have prayer down the hallway. If this brought something up for you or there's something on your mind, we invite you to join us there and have a wonderful week.